and welcome to the latest episode of the Play Connect podcast where we explore the benefits of playfulness, self-expression, fun and laughter as ways to get out of our heads and better connect with ourselves, each other and the moment. I'm Andrew Kane and today I'm talking with Vix Anderton who uh, helps people particularly around perfectionism which of course is a, a thing that's a very close to my heart uh, so we discussed a lot perfectionism uh, how it relates to trust and belonging and showing ourselves and hiding and where we can sometimes end up looking in the wrong place for our answers and where we can bring ourselves back to a more useful uh, orientation being comfortable with discomfort and um, learning we can take from nature. I really enjoyed talking with Vix. We've uh, met a couple of times before, um, but we'd never actually had a proper conversation about this uh, subject. So uh, it was really lovely that it was so fresh and we were both both discovering something uh, in the moment as we went along. Uh, so yeah, I noticed... <laughs> I noticed I was moving around quite a lot while I was talking, which I tend to do, which means my audio perhaps isn't as great as it could be. I apologise about that. I will fix that for next time. But nevertheless, I really enjoyed the conversation and, uh, yeah, hope you do too. So welcome, everybody. Um, I'm Andy and I'm here with Vix. Hello. And Vix is um, Vix helps people with uh, perfectionism and with um, something called authentic relating. So I'll ask a little bit about that, and we'll continue our exploration around, um, uh, yeah, where we can connect more fully and joyfully to ourselves and to each other and to the, the moment, what's happening. Um, so uh, yeah, Vic, I'm interested. We're both interested in perfectionism, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and I think I'm right in saying that that's because both of us have the, that particular trait, right? <laughs> that part of our <laughs> yes, yes, that's, that's right. I I hedged that, didn't I? I made it sound <laughs> like it was sort of an academic um, <laughs> kind of. Oh yes, we've read some books and, and whatever. Yes, yes. If I certainly I can speak for myself, but yeah, it's something I struggled a lot with. And, um, yeah, I'd say, you know, it still comes up um, for me. Um, but it's something I found um, improv a really helpful thing to sort of stretch myself around there. So it's all right to help people in that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you often use, amongst other things, authentic relating, right? Fix. Would you yeah. Yeah, a little bit yeah, about that? Yeah, yeah. So I'll... I'll- um, I'll just say something about perfectionism and then I'll, I'll explain what authentic relating is. Yeah. So, because I, I love hearing that that you feel, I think what you said was that like if your perfectionism feels less powerful, that's not the word that you use, but I had the sense of like it, it feels less, um, uh, yeah, controlling in your life perhaps. Um, I, I prefer to kind of think of myself as a recovering perfectionist because uh, you know, and it's something that I've I've actually worked quite hard on to to try and soften around and things, but it, it's it's that idea that wherever I go, there I am. Like my my perfectionism, I, th- I think I've kind of have got a handle on it, and then it suddenly like pops up like whack a mole from like out of left field. I'm like I didn't even know that I was perfectionist about that. <laughs> um, 
yeah. yeah so for me it's just like this continual continual process and 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 journey around it and I think for me anyway that can be really hard as a perfectionist because there's, there's the part of me that wants to be like I want to have the tick in the box and I want it to be complete and go yep I've dealt with that that problem's 100% solved moved on to the next one and uh, perfectionism doesn't seem to be like that um so yeah so about three years ago now actually I totally accidentally um stumbled across something called Authentic Relating, actually um, via the Happy Startup School Summer Camp. That's where I first got introduced to it. And so Authentic Relating is a, uh, a set of practices, tools, and principles that help us build more nourishing, trustworthy, and uh, honest relationships. Um, and so the, the primary focus of the practice is on like our relationship with other people. Um, but for me, it was like my doorway into embodiment um, and so it's been a really powerful tool in my relationship with myself, first and foremost. But I think uh, I use this quote a lot. Brene Brown talks about um, perfectionism being this like 20 ton shield that we use to protect ourselves. Um, but really what that happens is it stops us being seen. And so for me, authentic relating and starting to cultivate the, the skill, the, the courage to be able to be seen for all of who I am, like all of the kind of the messy, flawed humanness that is there. Um, and seeing that in other people, uh, we, were, we were just talking about like uh, the delight I feel when somebody like is able to open up and share, track exactly what is going on in their experience in any given moment, like captivating, I think was the word that you used, Andy. Like seeing that in other people and going, oh, Oh, it's actually there's like it's okay for me to be imperfect and to make a mistake and to be flawed and, and messy and all of the rest of it. Um, so yeah, for me though, there's some about for this like practice of authenticity, which is somehow feeling very whole and, and complete, even if even if I'm not finished. Yes. And um, it's amazing how much fear that can be around that. So um, I've been to some of your authentic relating groups, perfect, which are excellent. Um, and also my experience with improv, like to go into a setting and I, for me, I'm like, well, okay, what are the rules? How do I do this? How do I get a gold star at this? Um, and for the teachers to say, well, just be who you are, do what you want, kind of thing. I'm like, whoa, like that's that was really mind blowing for me. And um, yeah, I think as we grow up, we sort of learn, or my experience is that we kind of learn which parts of us are acceptable and which parts aren't. And then we go, okay, so it's okay if I can reveal this, this, and this, and that's okay, but this, this, and that that needs to stay hidden um so um, that process of becoming whole again as you say it's partly stretching into those areas that we've mm. kept hidden which can be can bring up a lot of stuff yeah i mean i, I basically think that perfectionism is perfection is some kind of trauma pattern and whether that's you know like mostly for most of us that little t trauma um but yeah like it's a response mm. you talk about the fear it, it's uh for me anyway it's a way of controlling the world yeah 
you know, or controlling myself in an attempt to, to control the world. And I think the, the, the fear that you mentioned in both authentic relating and improv is there is a, there's a sense for me of letting go of control. It's like, I can't predict, I can't plan what I'm going to say and what I'm going to, what I'm going to do. Because authentic relating is very much about revealing what is true in the present moment, like making the implicit explicit. And funny enough, like my present moment changes from one moment to the, to the next. And, um, you know, how I'm impacted by somebody else in connection. You know, so as I joined you today, I had just come from my connection cafe session. So I was quite quiet. I'd really been like receiving some quite deep shares from people. And like suddenly it's like, okay, well, it's Andy. And now like the energy's really changed. And so it's like, it's impossible to plan. And as a perfectionist, that absolutely fucking terrifies me. <laughs> like, I'm like, I want to plan. How do I know if he's going to be okay if I don't know what's going to happen? Oh, yeah, right. Yes. Um, it, there's a practice of trust, mm. I think, often at the heart of both both of these things. Right? I'm really interested in how they overlap because I think mm. they're quite different communities, but I feel like there's something that they sh- that both these practices share. Mm. Um, trusting that I don't know what's going to happen, but... I will handle it when it happens. You know, I will, I will uh, um, work it out as I go along. Yeah. Yeah. Learning to trust that part of us that like wants to be vulnerable. Like, I, I think like we all have this like deep desire to be, to be seen for who we are and whether that's in a more sort of, you know, like authentic relating tends to be a little slower, uh, a little I'm going to say a little more serious. It doesn't have to be. I think there's like a huge amount of play that can come through authentic relating, but compared to improv, which is very much about, I think about the kind of the laughs and, 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 you know, it's comedy, right? It's a, an attempt to do something that's, that's entertaining and amusing. Um, but at the heart, there's like, ben, there's that vulnerability. Like, what, what if nobody finds me funny? What if, what if, what if I, I say this thing that feels really important to me and people ignore me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, One of the things we spend quite a lot of time on in improv, actually, is trying to get around this. We're often as um, adults, we kind of, people come with an idea of like, the idea of this is to try to be funny. Mm. And... Um, to come up with something amusing and actually but what we, the whole practice similar to authentic relating in a way is to try and go no no don't try the like when you if we can practice not trying to be funny but just allowing ourselves to be seen then mm-hmm. being human is just such a mad crazy thing like if you mm-hmm. kind of allow yourself to be seen then um the the laughter and joy happens, but only mm. when we kind of can trust um, and allow that to happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. That does come up this thing of like control for me as a perfectionist of like, but, 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 but can I do that? Like, but surely, surely I have to, my sense of is I have to perform or that somehow that there are these expectations of me. Like I have assumptions about how people want me to be. And I spent, I definitely spent a lot of my life trying to figure out what is it that you need me to be right now? And, and I will be that for you. You know, I can, I can do that. I can perform that. And, and this practice of softening or letting go, like loosening around the perfectionism 
it's kind of yeah starting to let let go of the need to to hold it on hold on to it all that tightly and be like oh I can I can I can be responsive in the moment like I've got enough to me to respond to what is happening and and it's okay to say I don't know like it's okay it's okay not to have an answer like when did we when did we like absorb the lesson that like I always have to have an answer and it has to be right yeah oh there even is a right answer yes totally um I think it comes I mean certainly my my background was very sort of academic like that was the thing for me that was the good thing I'm just sort of doing air quotes around that if you're listening yeah. on the audio but like that was a thing which said yes excellent you know you get a mark for that a gold star um which yeah was all about having the right answer teacher set some task I do it teacher decides whether or not it's acceptable or not and then hands it back and that was the kind of the process that mm. um I went through and um yeah, to be in an environment where there isn't a right answer and part of me is turning used to go oh what should I do and um that's a, that's a whole different way of being in the world mm. yeah it, it's such a huge shift to go from this yeah, this like, total embodiment of there's somebody out there who's the arbiter of the right answer. And, and even just that, that very sort of subtle sense of like, then there must be a right answer to this. Um, there must be, you know, I have this in like in my in my my work sometimes where, you know, like, oh, what 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 should I do next? What should like when when should I run this workshop and what should I do it on? And the the, the subtle implication I think of the should is that there is somehow a right answer. Yes, and so like this practice of, oh yeah, being being kind of like in the the present unknown moment, and like I think what I what the other commonality I see between improv and authentic relating is they're both deeply embodied practices, and so I was like, oh well, rather than like asking my head like what is like the right thing to do, like what what does my body say, like what what would feel what would feel good to do right now, and can I can I start to learn to trust that because I, I think there's something about perfectionism that is uh, disembodied yeah I, I experience my perfectionism as a very much like in my head and kind of numbed out experience I'm not connected to my body wisdom um, and so it feels appropriate that perhaps an, an alternative an antidote to perfectionism is being more embodied yeah um, perfectionism kind of for me is quite a top-down thing um, it's like there's a plan and then we try and make everything fit the plan. Mm. Um, whereas um, my experience of authentic relating and also improv has been the opposite, a bottom-up thing. of like, oh, what's here? Hmm, okay, where, where's this going? Let's explore this mm. and follow it. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a natural responsiveness that I think that comes from like noticing what is here, and what can I do with it? Where, where does it want to go that feels, um, you know, I had a, a, a client reach out to me um, just last night. We meant to have a session in a couple of days and she, she's not, not feeling well. And she was like, what, what should we do? 
Right. And I, all I did is just go back to it. I was like, ask your body, not your brain, what feels like the what feels like the best thing, the yeah, what feels the most good to you to do. And she came back, she's like, I want to do the session. Right. Boom. <laughs> like it, it can be that simple. But like she had really got in this like whole kind of like, but 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 I wanted to do this and what about that? And like this kind of like real like head paralysis of trying to think of like what is the right answer what is the how do I optimize this yes rather than what might be the thing that like feels good in this moment yes um uh yeah you're just reminding me of um the uh you know that, that Nasruddin story where he's um he's off in the middle of the forest looking for, no, he's, he's under a lamppost uh, looking for his key and he, he can't find it. And then someone says, well, where, where did you drop it? And he said, well, I dropped, dropped it in the forest over there. So well, why, are you look, why are you looking here under the lamppost? And he said, well, it's just, there's more light here. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, we can get lost and we're looking in the wrong place, right? And um, mm -hmm. My experience in both improv and life has been when I've been overthinking something. You mentioned that numbing. Mm. Um, like sometimes the more I think, the less I know. Mm -hmm. Because I'm, it's actually taking me further and further away from the place where the answer actually is. Mm. I can't feel it anymore. So even if I have a, quote, good idea that would have felt great an hour ago, now nothing feels great because <laughs> I've got all, uh, I've numbed out to it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. What I really love about that, that story is, like, uh, of course, somebody would want to spend more time looking in the light because the forest can be dark and scary and we're, we're not often given maps for how to be in that in that kind of dark and something, you know, something a little bit like chaotic about forests, right? They're, they're not like nicely organized, like streets or you know, they have signposts and things. And so I think what I love about authentic relating or what I've enjoyed about the, the comedy improv that I've done with you is it, it starts to give me a map. It starts to give me like a set of tools by which I can start to navigate this, this new landscape. And it starts to feel like a little bit less scary um, or you know a little bit more comfortable to be in um, because I have I start to yeah I start to kind of understand the landscape a little bit more I have a map to navigate yeah that's nice yeah thank you Vic the image that came to my mind was a compass that uh, mm. even if we don't um say in an authentic relating session or an improv session, even if we don't know what's going to happen, we can start to have a compass of like, okay, this feels like, this feels the good next step. This feels the good next step. This mm -hmm. feels like the good one, um, uh, or a good one, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, authentic relating actually comes with quite a, a, a complete set of tools and frameworks that I think in, when, when I first started authentic relating, they can feel a little... Um, clunky 
you know, because I don't feel like the normal way that I was communicating, but have basically operated like handrails for me. So we often use kind of like sentence stems um, and some of the games that we play kind of guide people through an experience that um, you can totally replicate elsewhere in your life. So there's a game called the Curiosity Game, for example, which is all about kind of as the somebody asking questions of your partner, really following your own curiosity. What are the things that you would be interested to know about this person? And like the framework of that game is it's totally possible to pick that up. And I've played it on first dates. You know, you can kind of explain it to somebody and you can play. And suddenly you've got these, yeah, these maps and these like little um, frameworks to navigate what is otherwise can be quite a confusing and scary landscape of, of conversation and connection particularly for perfectionists because like half the time we're like but am I saying the right thing and how is this person perceiving me and am I doing it right and so for me like <laughs> having a bit of a guidebook to go oh, okay so now I now I do this yeah it was so helpful in, in the beginning yes the structure to go yeah that's which does a game that I love that I'm not sure if we've done it but I've done it somewhere um from authentic relating where you um, ask a question and the other person doesn't reply but they score it out of 10 mm-hmm. based on how interesting it is to them um, yeah there's not the quality of the question it's just like oh yeah that's really interesting to me or it's not um yeah oh that's so interesting you really find <laughs> out right that yeah, yeah other people aren't interested in the same things that i am for example yeah you know, yeah or- so that's a round of the curiosity game so part of the curiosity game is like asking questions to so satisfy my curiosity and then one round is to get this data back from your partner about what it is that, that they're interested at in talking about and then in the final round, you then get to kind of like mount, like hold, hold the, the, the polarities of those two things. So this is the thing that I'm interested in. And this is the thing that my, my partner is interested in. And like, can I hold both of those things true at the same time? Like it's, um, yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. But for perfectionists, the first time I played that game, totally spun me out, totally triggered by somebody like scoring me, <laughs> even though they weren't scoring me. That was how immediately how it landed for me. I'm like, oh, but I've got to get all fives, right? Yes. Rather than orientating to like, oh, this is just the other, this other person sharing their experience with me. It's got it's got nothing to do with me. Yes. Revelation. Yes. <laughs> I had the same experience that part of me like wanted wanted the other person to give a high number. Mm. Like my instinct around playing that was to try and try and guess what they would be interested in, which is, you know, I guess it's one way to play it, but yeah. um, it's not the only way. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's fun that we had the same experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what that tells me, like what I what I've definitely found with, with all the conversations with perfectionists and the clients that I work with is that there's, I have this profound sense of being quite lonely in my perfectionism, that somehow like everybody else has got this nice life sorted and I'm the only one who's struggling to know what the right answer is. And there's something, again, that I've really appreciated about authentic relating and an improv, the way they bring people together. It's like, oh, it's not just me. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Other people are struggling with this too. Like, maybe it's okay that I'm struggling with this. And like that, even as I say that, I can feel the relief, like the way my shoulders drop. I'm like, oh, oh, maybe it's okay that I don't have the right answer. Yes. Um, 
thì there's a paradox, isn't there? I, I think this is from Brené Brown that um, the thing that helps us soften around our fear of perfectionism is belonging, mm. and yet the habits of hiding. Mm -hmm. um, are exactly what stop us experiencing the belonging. So, like, this is where these kind of structures, like in authentic relating, uh, and in particularly, I quite like doing courses rather than dropping improv mm. classes for exactly that reason that people get to know each other and mm. can really sort of bond. Um, that that feeling of being accepted and belonging is what can start to loosen those mm -hmm. um uh, those tension patterns yeah yeah I love that and you know I, I've seen that seen that happen so many times and it takes it takes some courage it takes like being in that fear we were talking about that the kind of the vulnerability of like I don't I don't know how this is going to go yeah. um and 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 leaning into it leaning into the the, the unknown of what what happens if I do this? The un the unknown. Yeah. And there's something that came up for me. You were talking about the forest and going into the dark and it being uncomfortable and scary. And um, you just mentioned courage there as well. That. Part of the perfectionist trap, I think, is think is imagining that there's a path with no discomfort attached to it. Mm. And if I can just find the right thing, it's going to be it's just going to be a path of complete comfort. And one of the parts of I think both of these practices is um gently learning to tolerate a little bit of discomfort in mm. in doing it and it gets easier but that is part of doing it right yeah yeah it's a in authentic relating the, the kind of the core principles of authentic relating we, we describe as practices because they are this like constant like every time i open my mouth to to reveal something in it if I'm, something vulnerable it's scary because it's vulnerable like I'm I am taking a risk and that that I've learned never goes away um and actually has started to orientate me to almost the other way around of like that the aliveness that comes in that moment like oh wow this is something that's important to me like whatever it is I'm about to share this this is something I care about um and that sense of that sense of care and an aliveness that I feel in it now is almost it's kind of for me like the opposite of discomfort isn't comfort like the opposite of discomfort is is aliveness it's this yeah like oh oh it's oh obviously there's stuff happening yeah. <laughs> because if I'm not if, if that's not happening then like you said I'm I'm numbed out and life is just dull and grey and and a bit boring. Yeah, yeah, right. Right, I don't think that was very coherent though. I sort of disappeared in a couple of different routes, but um, but hopefully you kind of got my got my meaning. Yes. Well what I was I think I did. Um what I was getting was that um although that feeling 
I think you call it feeling scary, like keeps coming back. It's actually you've been experiencing it um, as more a sense of aliveness than something to avoid. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That it actually helped me orientate towards uh, what are the things that I care about? What are my values? What feels important to me? Because if I didn't care about it at that moment, I wouldn't be scared. You know, yes. like there are plenty of times I've showed up and I've said something and I'm like, oh, that was really easy. And it's it's felt flat to me and I can tell it's felt flat to other people. But, yeah. Yeah. I've been in um, authentic relating classes where I've sort of cheated. Like mm-hmm. I've sort of said, said or done, shared the thing that I thought was, you know, not quite the right thing, but it was just like, oh, this is the kind of thing someone would say in this situation mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when we do that, we cheat ourselves of the, of the a, a connection to ourselves. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and really, isn't that what we're all just kind of chasing? It's like a deep sense of connection and aliveness in ourselves and and a deep sense of like meaningful connection with the people in our lives. Like when it comes down to like, what, what more are we really wanting in this life? But perfectionism, I love the way you said like it cheats, it cheats us out of it. It like cons us into thinking, oh, if we can only like find the path and control everything around it, then like that's what a good life looks like. And I'm increasingly realized actually for me, a good life feels it feels alive <laughs> it feels messy and confusing and exciting and sad and 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 all of the different things at the same time like it doesn't have to just be like one clean yeah one clean organized thought <laughs> yes um too much order is kind of dead right um yeah and then like, i think so another part of my work that we've, we've not touched on is i'm obsessed with cycles so the cycles that kind of live within us and and around us and um i think you know if we if we look to nature and there's there's nothing that's like ordered there's no sense of at least linear order in nature there's a sense of like cyclical coherence I would say rather than order but like straight lines and uh yeah like it, it just doesn't exist and I think we the the way that we live the way that our society has developed over the past you know few hundred years has us believing that we can be machines and that somehow everything can be ordered and controlled and turned on and off with a flick of a switch and um and it's not like that. I don't think. I think we're natural beings. We're messy and chaotic and and beautiful and coherent and and all of those things that we see out in in nature. Yes, the um, <clears throat> the metaphor from industrial society of people a bit like machines. Yeah, get us very lost right I mean it has many wonderful things uh, perhaps in 
and some forms of medicine and so on. But in terms of living our lives, it can be quite damaging. Yes. Just had this, idea, just had this image of a, um, if we treated plants the way that we sometimes treat ourselves, like there's a flower growing. So oh, that's not right. And then, <clears throat> come on, grow, grow taller. Be, be more blue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here in Bali, like the, the frangipani trees don't go straight up. They kind of grow out and they lean over. And what the Balinese do is that like they support them. They, they literally like, they get these planks and they prop up the tree to like to, to support its weight and to allow it to keep growing. And so these beautiful trees kind of grow in like this kind of zigzag. And then there's a beautiful kind of like foliages. Um, but they're like they're the total opposite of strength. But rather than like trying to straighten them, the Balinese are like, oh, it just it just needs a little, it just needs a little bit of help. It just needs something to like lean on and, and take a little bit of the weight, yeah. which I think is such a beautiful metaphor for for confectionists because I, I've definitely spent most of my life um, like I, I need to do it all by myself. Yeah, like I couldn't possibly ask for help with something. Um, yeah, and it's actually one of the reasons why I really appreciated you like suggesting that we have this this conversation is like oh yeah like I can I can collaborate with people this not only can that be beneficial like it can be fun like I'm having so much like <laughs> I feel like the delight on my face and in my body it's like we're talking about these things like yeah. oh it's a okay this could be cool too <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's beautiful I'm reminded of little Ramdas thing we talk about going to a forest and like you know we don't go around the forest like criticizing the trees for not being the right shape and you know but all those we just like oh, okay you know that one's a little bit bent this way and that one's had to clamber over some rocks and, and this yeah. one's and i don't know about you but those are the ones that i find most interesting yeah. i'm like the, the straight up and down ones in the orchards i'm like eh. but like the gnarly old ones that have like clearly mm. survived all sorts of stuff and have been like resilient and adapted and climbed over stuff like those are the trees that I like I could just spend hours like hanging out with and, and looking at because they're they're interesting perfection's so boring yeah maybe we can be more tree <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been yeah. amazing um, mm. um maybe we'll bring to the wrap up I think that was such a lovely uh <laughs> Thank you, Vex. Really enjoyed. I knew I'd enjoy talking to you. We've talked before, and I knew we had most to uh, to chew on. Um, Yeah, where can people find out about you or authentic relating? Yeah, so um, my website is actually getting overhauled this week. So I am now at uh, vixanderton.com. So that's V-I-X-A-N-D-E-E-R-T-O-N. So there or on Instagram, I'm vixzen underscore warrior. If people want to like, that's kind of where I'm like hanging out with people at the moment. Um, And there's lots of like resources and like places that I can point people to for authentic relating beyond what I teach. Um, So probably the best thing is like drop me a message and I can, I can point people in the right direction to, to all sorts of, all sorts of things. Cool. This has been. And what about you? Do you want to give yourself a little, a little plug? Because I know you do wonderful, wonderful courses on, on helping people 
but yeah, get into kind of improv. I really enjoyed the classes that I've taken with you. Yeah, so um, uh, my things around that were at playconnect.co.uk. Um, as the name implies, it, um, we're exploring play and improv more for what it, not so much for performance, but more what it, what it can do for you, how you can explore being in not knowing and fun and belonging and creating creating joy just from being together. So I hope you enjoyed that. Feel free to be in touch with any thoughts or comments. I'll put links to uh, both Vix and me in the show notes. And until next time, have a great rest of your day. Music.